0: Just when
1: you think it can't get any better. I'd like for you to open your Bibles to James chapter 4 and we will pick up right where we left off in our study of James and I'd like for all the men of the church who are willing to join me to come and and we want to bow here at the altar and just bow before the Lord. Ask him to bless this place, uh, to bless this altar, to bless this house, to bless this family. Um, we're in a bow down before the Lord our God. And I just can't think of anything more significant or more powerful that happens in a church. Again, somebody visited our church a while back and told me, they said, I've never seen a church with so many men who were willing to get on their knees before God. I want to tell you, I thank God for men who will be men of God. Father, in Jesus' name, we bow before you. Lord, we know that we are men of weakness. We know that we have a propensity in the wrong direction, that we have feet of clay. We know, Father, that we fit in that category uh, that says there's none righteous. No, not one. All we like sheep have gone astray. But, Father, we thank you that we can take it one step beyond that. We have seen and heard the voice of our Savior. And you have called us, and we ask you to forgive us and to cleanse us. We ask you to make us a holy uh, group of men, a holy church. Uh, We pray, Father, that this day, the men, we're here on our knees at this altar before you. And guys, I want you to agree with me. We ask for you, our Heavenly Father, to invade this place today. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, sweet dove of heaven. Come, Thou fount of every blessing. Come, open the windows above uh, this worship center. Pour out Your glory. Pour out Your Spirit. Pour out Your presence. Father, we pray that the atmosphere in this place will be pregnant with the presence of God. We pray, Father, that not one person will be able to leave here the same way they came. We pray, Father, that this will be an hour of change an hour of revival, an hour of restoration and reconciliation, and, Father, even an hour of true salvation for some. Bless, Lord. Bless the word. Bless the messenger. Bless the hearers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. I can't tell you, men, how much it means to me for you to come and join me. If you will open your Bibles to James chapter 4, we'll have two verses this morning. James 4, verses 11 and 12 will be our text. James 4, I'll begin reading in verse 11. James says, do not speak evil one of another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother, speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Now, this is a short passage we're dealing with, but it begins with, do not speak evil one of another, and it ends with, who are you to judge another person? Basically, James is saying, who do you think you are to judge one another? Don't speak evil one of another, and don't judge one another. Now, there is a problem with interpreting this passage of Scripture in light of the rest of the Bible. There's truly a theological dilemma here that we have to resolve in order to understand exactly what James is saying. And here's the problem. All through the Bible, we are taught to judge. I know that may sound strange to you, and that's not what we hear on the street. And it's not even what we hear in our casual conversations among one another. But all through the Bible, we, the children of God, those who walk with the Lord, are called upon to judge. In fact, we're told in 1 Corinthians 2.15 that if a person is spiritual, they can and should judge all things. This is what it says. It says, but he who is spiritual, say it with me. Judges all things. The Bible teaches us that we have to judge. I can give you illustration after illustration in the Bible. For instance, in Proverbs, the fourth chapter, if you go all the way back to Proverbs, here's what you'll find. You'll find the Bible says to us as the children of God, don't walk with evil men. Don't walk in the pathway of those who are evil. And up to evil things. Now, wait just a moment. If I'm going to make a commitment not to walk with evil people, then I have to do some judging, don't I? And don't you have to do some judging? Don't we have to evaluate the lifestyles of people around us and to say, yes, I can walk with these people. No, I cannot walk with these people. See, the Bible calls upon us to judge. If we had plenty of time this morning, we'd turn over and really study the 7th chapter of Matthew. Because it's in the 7th chapter of Matthew that Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly, they are ravenous wolves who are trying to destroy you. Wow! False prophets... In sheep's clothing, who are really, on the inside, wolves. They are declaring themselves to be righteous and holy and spiritual and leaders and teachers. And yet Jesus says they're in disguise. They're just wearing a costume. That on the inside, they're like wolves who are actually trying to destroy. Now this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, beware of them. Take note of them. Be able to identify them. Well, friends, if that be the case, you and I have to do some judging, don't we? We have to do some evaluating. You, you have to do it even when I or anybody else stands before you. you. You have to have some responsibility when it comes to who you sit under and who you listen to and who you allow to speak into your life. Jesus said, beware of them. That means that you and I have to look closely enough at those who are in spiritual leadership around us that we can tell which ones are true and which ones are not true. I read this statement and kind of laughed when I read it. It says, it takes discerning sheep to recognize those who are not true sheep. You, you and I should, should be able to do that. And, and the Bible Tells us we have to do that. In that same chapter, in Matthew the seventh chapter, it, Jesus said, You will know them by their fruits. That means you have to examine the fruit. It means you have to become a fruit inspector, if you please. You have to judge by their fruit. And what Jesus was saying is, is when you look at the fruit of a person, you can evaluate the fruit, and by that, you can judge the man, the preacher, the teacher. You can judge the person. Quickly, you can do that. You can judge them. And you have to do that. The Bible requires it of us. By the way, in that same seventh chapter of Matthew, uh, and I'm just hitting some high points here, uh, Jesus made this statement. He said, don't give that which is holy to the dogs, and don't cast your pearls before swine. Now, friends, that's pretty tough language even for the Bible, isn't it? I... And by the way, the Bible was written long before political correctness was even thought of. And I can tell you, when Jesus said, Don't give that which is holy to the dogs and don't cast your pearls before swine, he was not talking about dogs and pigs. He was talking about people who act like dogs and pigs. That's what he was talking about. And he was saying, Don't give that which is holy. To people who act like dogs and people who act like pigs. What Jesus was saying is don't open up your heart and don't share the deep and holy and precious things of God with people who could care less. Oh, we should witness to them and try to bring them to Christ, but we don't open up our hearts to them no more than you would take your fine jewelry and throw it out in the pig pen in the back for the pigs to enjoy. You just wouldn't do that. See, what I'm trying to get you to understand is we have to make some judgments. All through the Bible, we're called upon to judge. In in Romans, the 16th chapter, it says, mark those out in your fellowship who cause dissension. And it says, and stay away from them. The Bible literally tells us that we have to judge one another in the household of faith. It says, if there's somebody in the church and that person is causing dissension, and, and by the way, Thank God, I praise the Lord for this. Help me. Help me pray about this in the days to come, that it's never a reality that I know of. We don't have one person in this church trying to cause dissension. And I've been in churches where everybody knew who it was that was causing dissension. But thank God, that's not here. But here's what happens. The Bible says, if there's one person in your church who's causing division and dissension, the rest of you stay away from that person. Don't have anything to do with them. Don't answer their phone calls. Don't respond to their text. Listen, if somebody comes into this church and starts trying to cause problems, if we all just back away, have nothing to do with them, they'll get in, get out, repent. They'll do something. But you won't be party to what they're doing. But the point is, if somebody's causing dissension, you have to judge that situation. You have to be a spiritual judge who judges that thing, and you have to say, no, I can't be uh, a part of that. I won't be a part of that. By the way, church, I I, I just want a little confirmation here. Don't you love what's going on with our youth? Don't you love the fact that they come to the altar and worship at the altar and celebrate here? And I got to tell you, a few of you old folks, every now and then, don't do it on a regular basis. You need to come up here and join them because I was feeling like a teenager this morning. Man, I got right up here in the middle of them and it feels good. And so somebody said, actually, somebody said to me this morning, you better sit down. You're too old to be up there. And so, uh, but, uh, but teenagers, I want you to listen to me. You have to start judging. You have to become a judge. That's what the book of Proverbs tells us. Um, it, it's Proverbs 1, 10 through 18 This is what it says. The Bible has a specific word for teenagers, for young people. It says, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, Come with us, let us lie in wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in your lot among us. Let us all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path, for their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. But they lie in wait for their own blood. They lurk secretly for their own lives. You see, young people... Even as a teenager, you have to learn to judge. You have to learn to judge between right and wrong, good and evil, what's right and wholesome and what's wrong and ungodly. You have to judge and identify those who are moving in a pathway that's contrary To the Lord your God. You you have to be able to judge that situation. And the reason you have to do that is because over and over and over again in your life, you'll have to look at that situation. You'll have to stand in judgment with the help of the Holy Spirit. And then you will have to say, no. This is wrong. What you're doing is wrong. I can't be a part of that. I will have no part of that. And friends, that's a part of what we call exercising good judgment. By the way, how many of you feel like we should exercise good judgment? Wave at me. Yeah. Well, can I ask you a question? How can we exercise good judgment if we don't judge? You have to judge. You see, those who are spiritual judge all things. So the conclusion we come to is this. According to the Bible, we have to be exercising godly judgment all the time. It's a part of what we have to do. Just maybe one or two more. Galatians 6, one says, If a brother has been overtaken in a fault, if he's fallen into sin. Now we're talking about one among us. If a brother has been overtaken in a fault, if he's fallen into sin. And it says, Those of you who are spiritual, restore such a brother in the spirit of gentleness and meekness. In other words, we, we have to restore one another. How do you do that if you don't judge? How do you do that if you don't look at a brother's life and say, listen, I love you in the name of Jesus, but the Word of God says not to do this, and you're doing this, and I'm judging that situation, and I'm telling you that's wrong. And you go to them with meekness and gentleness and kindness. You have to be very, very careful. But you go to them, and you talk to them. You you see, the problem that's going on today, and I want to tell you, I hear this statement, I think, every week of my life. I hear it every week out of somebody. I know what they're doing is wrong, but I can't judge them. I know what they're doing is not right, but I will not judge them. Listen to me, child of God. You don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. You have to judge them. You have to exercise spiritual discernment. You have to be able to identify between right and wrong, good and bad, godliness and ungodliness. You you have to do that. Do you see when the church takes the position that we will not judge, we will not exercise spiritual discernment, we will not identify what's right and wrong, we will not identify what's holy and what's not holy. The moment the church assumes that position, we can no longer help one another. We can no longer help anybody else in the world. We can't help a brother or sister that's backslidden. Why? Because if you go to them and tell them they're backslidden, then you're doing what? You're judging them. And you can't judge them. And anybody can stand in this pulpit and preach anything they want to preach. They can depart from the Word of God. And you can't say a word. Why? Because that would be judging them. And you can't judge them. Do you understand the lie the enemy is telling us? If the church does not judge then we will find ourselves walking with the wrong crowd, doing the wrong thing, getting caught up in the wrong movements of the world. We have to judge. If the church refuses to judge, then the Bible becomes null and void and the church begins to drift with the current of the world, never taking a stand on anything because if they ever stand up for something, that's what? Judging. Oh, friends, we, we have to judge. You don't have choice. Now, the way you judge is important. You have to do it with kindness and compassion. You have to do it with love and mercy. But we have to exercise good judgment. And we have to be in the judging business. Well, so, what does our text mean then? When it begins with, do not speak evil one of another. Well, you got to take one more word in there to really understand it. This is... What it says and exactly what it means. Do not speak evil one of another, brethren. The word brethren, which is used several times in the text, means those who have the same parents. That's what the Greek word means. Or in this context, those who have the same father. The children of God. We are the children of God. We all have the same father. And that's the reason we call each other brother and sister, right? We're in the family. See, here's the point. James is saying, do not speak evil one of another, brethren. When you come inside the family of faith, when you come inside the church, and you're part of the family, you no longer can speak evil one of another. You can't do that. In fact, we don't have time this morning to to deal with this, but the Bible actually says, speak evil of no man. But James... His emphasis is on the brethren inside the fellowship. We can't speak evil one of another. Now, it's not wrong for me to say that what somebody else is doing is wrong inside the church. It wouldn't be wrong for you to say something I'm doing is wrong. It's not wrong to say what somebody else is doing is a sin. It's not wrong in the right situation with the right spirit and the right amount of compassion to take a stand on an issue and say this is wrong and we shouldn't be moving in that direction or you shouldn't be doing that. That's not wrong. But what you can never do is you can never take that judgment to the point that you become the judge pronouncing evil on another person. That's what you cannot do. You can pray for them and you should pray for them. You should go to them, and you should go to a person who's making a mistake. And, and you should reach out to them with the love and the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are things you should do. Listen, it is not wrong for us to be discerning. It is not wrong for us to be watchful. It is not wrong for us to be careful, to be alert, to be cautious. It is not wrong for us to tell the truth about sin. It is not even wrong for us to tell the truth about a brother or sister if we do it in the right situation with the right spirit and we call what they're doing as sin. That's not wrong. But what makes it wrong is when we take one more step and we put ourselves in the place of the judge of that person and we begin to speak evil over them, pronouncing judgment on them. That's what makes it wrong. And and James explains why that's wrong. You understand? He says because there's only one lawgiver. There's only one God. There's only one who has all the facts and all the figures. Only one. And he's the judge. He's the only one that can pronounce that kind of verdict. And for any of us to assume his position and do what God alone can do is sin. You know what the paradox of it all is? The paradox is this. Anytime you see somebody sinning and you and I 'm talking about inside the church, and I think you could probably push this beyond the walls of the church anytime you see somebody sinning and you speak evil of that person to someone else, here's the paradox: you just committed a sin equal to their sin, you just participated in their sin. You, you took it another step. You went too far. You see, we don't have that information. We don't know enough to pass judgment. Let me give you a story. Some years ago, there was a pastor in this area, and he and I um, were, were not on the best of terms. And things kind of got crossed, and our relationship was strained a little bit. Several years went by, and he moved out of the area, and he moved to Colorado. And one day I was praying, and, and by the way, the Bible doesn't say that if you're right or wrong, it just says if your brother has ought against you, you call your brother and you make it right. Yes? It doesn't matter who's guilty or who's not, Right? It, it, the fact is, God has forgiven us. We should forgive other people. And I don't even remember what, what the problem was between us. But anyway, I was praying one morning. The Holy Spirit said, now. And by the way, there's nothing like the timing of God. A- and sometimes you know you're going to do something and it may be three weeks or three months before you do it. But you wait and the Holy Spirit says, now when you do it. So the Holy Spirit said, now. And I pe- it was about mid-morning and I picked up the phone And I I called him, I, I I found his home number, and I called him, and when he answered the phone, this is what happened. The moment he answered that phone, and I said, hello, and I called his name and told him who I was. And he said, oh no! And when I tell you he slammed that phone down, he slammed it down so hard that I went, oh my goodness. And the enemy slipped right up by me and sat down. And the enemy started whispering in my ear. That's the rudest thing I've ever had happen to me. I can't believe somebody would do that. I am so deeply spiritual today that I'm calling him and trying to make this right. And he's so ungodly he won't even talk to me. I I am so spiritual. What gives him the right to be so ungodly? Ah. My face got as red as my hair. I had smoke coming out my ears. I was thinking, I, this is this is. This is bad, this is real bad, this is ugly, this is mean-spirited. I just can't believe it. I, I mean, really, I can't exaggerate the flurry of emotions I had. And then the next thought I had, listen, you need this, some of you need this. The next thought I had is, I need to call somebody and tell them just exactly what he's done. I think I'll call a member of the staff and tell them. Or maybe I'll call my wife at work and tell him, but somebody needs to know how ugly this man has treated me. I need to let somebody know, well, friends, that's a lie from the devil. The next time you get real mad and irritated with somebody, I suggest you don't call anybody, don't text anybody, don't email anybody, get off social media, don't communicate with anybody. Communicate with the Holy Spirit. And I gotta tell you, I didn't call anybody, but I wanted to, but I finally got on my I got on my face before the Lord. I said, look, because I was hurt. I wanted, I, I, I saw this thing going in a totally different direction. I, I saw this thing, I'm gonna call him up. And I'm going to tell him, listen, whatever's wrong between us, I want to make it right. I want us to be brothers. Let's get it under the blood. Let's have fellowship again. And it just didn't go like I wanted it to go. And so I got on my face. I said, God, you got to help me. Oh, God, you got to help me. God, you really got to help me. I don't know what to do with this. And here's what the Holy Spirit said to me. Now, I'm making this up. Now, I didn't hear these words, but this was the feeling I had. But the Holy Spirit said, it'll be okay. Just calm down. Sometimes we need to calm down, don't we? It'll be okay. Just calm down. So I okay, okay. So I got up and I did pray for him and I prayed for me and and, and I and I did realize at some point in there that I was responding in a very unholy manner. About 15 minutes later, my phone rings. It is him. And I got to tell you, I was real aloof even over the phone. I said, Yes. And these were his words. He said, I just want to tell you, I am so sorry. For what just happened a few minutes ago. He said, My wife had an appointment and had to leave home early, and she gave me one assignment to get all the children safely on the school bus. She, he said, the moment I answered the phone, I looked out and saw the school bus driving up, and I thought, oh no! Slam the phone down, <laughs> runs, gets the kids all ready, takes them out and gets them on the school bus. I mean, it was like this light came on and I'm thinking, okay, who was the unholy and ungodly one in this situation? You see, the fact is, we don't know enough about what's going on in a person's heart and life and soul and circumstances to ever step to that point where we become the ultimate judge and we pass down the judgment of God upon them. And, and i and i want to tell you i was so thankful i was so relieved i came in and confessed my sins to the staff and told them what i'd done and uh I, but i was so relieved at that but boy what a lesson i i learned um I, I want to read something to you i read this book years ago and maybe you've read it it's a, it's a book by stephen covey and it's called the seven habits of highly effective people i think was the the name of the book, but this is just one little story. And he said, I remembered a mini paradigm shift as I exper- that I experienced one morning on a subway in New York. People were sitting quietly, some reading newspapers, some lost in thoughts, some resting with their eyes closed. It was a calm, peaceful scene. Then suddenly, a man and his children entered the subway. The children were so loud and rambunctious that instantly the whole climate changed. The man sat down next to me and closed his eyes, apparently oblivious to the situation. The children were yelling back and forth and throwing things and even grabbing people's papers. It was very disturbing, and yet the man sitting next to me did nothing. It was difficult not to feel irritated. I could not believe that he could be so insensitive as to let his children run wild like that and do nothing about it, taking no responsibility at all. It was easy to see that everyone else on the subway felt irritated too. So finally, with what I felt was unusual patience and restraint, I turned to the man and said, Sir, your children are really disturbing a lot of people. I wonder if you couldn't control them a little more. The man lifted his gaze as if to come to a consciousness of the situation for the first time and said softly, Oh, you're right. I guess I should do something about it. We just came from the hospital where their mother died about an hour ago. I didn't know what to think, and I guess they don't know how to handle it either. Can you imagine what I felt at that moment? My paradigm shifted. Suddenly, I saw things differently. And because I saw differently, I thought differently. I felt differently. I behaved differently. My irritation vanished. I I didn't have to worry about controlling my attitude or my behavior. My heart was filled with the man's pain. Feelings of sympathy and compassion flowed freely. Your wife just died? Oh, I am so sorry. Can you tell me about it? What can I do to help? Everything changed instantly. Do you understand that if we really had all the facts, if we knew everything that was going on in another person's life, I really believe what I'm about to tell you is the truth. And especially in the household of faith, if we really knew what was going, everything that's going on in somebody else's life, we would never criticize them. We would never speak an evil word against them. And what James is saying in this passage of scripture is not contradictory to everything else that the Bible says. The Bible says we have to judge. We have to be discerning. We have to be alert. We have to know what's going on uh, spiritually around us. And we have to pass judgments all the time. But that judgment can never be pushed to the point where we assume the position that we know everything. You you see, friends, when, when you speak evil of a brother or sister in Christ, you are pronouncing judgment on them. You're putting them on trial in the courtroom of your own head. You're becoming judge, jury, and executioner of that person. You're acting and speaking as if you have all the facts, all the details. You've examined all the vents around it. And now, as a worthy judge, you are handing down and pronouncing the sentence of uh, guilt by your evil words. When you speak evil over a person. can't do that. James says, don't do that. Let me call, close with just a couple of illustrations. And I use this one because I'm actually guilty of this. I've, I've, I've done wrong in this situation in the past. What if you left the service today and we're just going to play a what if game and what if while all these kids were down front, worshiping maybe there was an adult that came down and worshiped with them and boy you just watched them and you were just impressed with this adult and you just saw their hands raised to heaven and they're just worshiping God they're just worshiping the Lord I mean they're just going after it and you look at that person you think man man they love Jesus don't they but this afternoon a couple hours from now you see them and they're in their car and you see them Take out a cigarette. They don't know you're watching. And you start smoking that cigarette. Or they start smoking that cigarette. And you see them. And immediately, this is what you think. You think, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, I just saw them two hours ago. I saw them, they were up front. I saw their hands in the air. I saw them worshiping and, and praising God. And now there he is, smoking that cigarette. What a hypocrite. What a hypocrite. Oh, oh, where's my phone? I, I, I got to call sister so-and-so. I got to tell her. I saw him up front. I saw him smoking that cigarette. And you just go down the line. You call two or three people. And you speak evil of that person for smoking that cigarette. Now, do, you, do you know where I'm going with the story? Do you know you know what the deal is right here? You know what the deal is? Now friends, don't throw any stones at me when I tell you this. But there is no place in the Bible where it says thou shalt not smoke. But I can show you a place in the Bible where it says thou shalt not speak evil of one another. And when you call somebody and put them down, you did worse than the person who was smoking the cigarette. By the way, Charles Haddon Spurgeon smoked cigarettes. Jonathan Edwards smoked cigarettes. G. Campbell Morgan smoked cigarettes. And if you don't know who these people are, they're some of the greatest theologians that have ever lived. And they smoked. And these are not the only ones. There are others who smoked. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Pastor... they didn't know that it was bad for your health. And because they didn't know it wasn't a sin for them, and because now we do know that smoking is hazardous for your health, now it is a sin. Really? Really? What if somebody drives by you this afternoon and they call a friend and they say, oh oh, I saw him at the altar and he was worshiping God and he was going after God and, and I thought he was really sold out and I saw him in the drive through at McDonald's. Well, wait now, haven't, haven't we proven now, hasn't science also proven that eating fast food is hazardous to your health? So isn't that a sin too? I'm just telling you, we better be careful. We better be careful. And when I say that a person who's spiritual judges all things, you better make sure your judgment does not go one fraction of an inch past what God's Word says. By the way, you the Bible doesn't say not to smoke, but it does say don't say evil things about one another. Funny, funny story, I was in a conversation one time. I don't know why I'm telling you this except it's the only thing I can think to say right this moment. <laughs> but I was in a conversation and one guy, serious conversation, I'm not making this up, and one guy walked up to, to us and there was a bunch of preachers standing around and he said, I want to ask you guys a question. He said, can a man chew tobacco and go to heaven? And I was trying to think of what to say before I could even get my thoughts together. Preacher standing next to me, he said, oh yeah, 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 you can chew tobacco and go to heaven but you got to go to hell to spit. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now listen. (laughs) If you go out of here today and you buy you a pack of cigarettes and a chew of tobacco and you say, my pastor said I could do this. I'm going to come hit you. I'm gonna. <laughs> Do not do that. It is not good stewardship of your money. It is not good stewardship of your body and your health. But what I'm trying to do is drive home a point. We've become somewhat hypocritical in the family of faith. And we become judgmental and we say negative mean things about other people. And I'm telling you, it does not matter what somebody in this church does. You never have the right to step over that line and become judgmental and speak evil of them. You might pray for them, go to them, try to help them, try to rescue them. You can do all manner of things, but what you can never do is speak evil of them. You cannot hand down the verdict of guilt by speaking evil words over them. Lori White says this, and I put it in my notes, before you speak, humble yourself, put on love, and check your motive. Let's bow in prayer.
0: Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.